Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You try to do things the world's way, you'll get the world's result. We do things God's way, we're going to get God's results. Chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, are you ready for this? This is the second part of my message. You're going to like this. Because you're going to need this to receive what I've been talking about. You can believe it, but there's going to be things. I want you to look at the promises here that Jesus made. I've got some things I want to show you. I believe the Holy Ghost. Now, this is what I've been wanting to get to. If you're going to embrace, get this. Here's your first lesson. You're going to have to have a different attitude than the crowd. If you're going to be a disciple, there will be some climbing that separates you from the crowd, and there'll be those who will stay behind. Look in verse 1. It says, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus, he went up into the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came into him. If you notice there, the Bible says when Jesus saw the crowd, he didn't go to the crowd. Did you hear what I just said? When Jesus saw the crowd, he didn't go to the crowd. When he saw the multitude, he didn't go to the multitude. He went into the mountain. Who followed him into the mountain? Did the crowd follow him in the mountain? Did the multitudes come up into the mountain where he was? No. His disciples did. You see, disciples climb. Multitudes, they want comfort. The crowd wants comfort. But disciples will do the climbing. They'll do the the hard work, so to speak. They'll begin to do the participation. They'll begin to follow the Lord where he goes. You know, I learned a long time ago, if I'm going to go beyond where I'm at, I'm going to have to learn how to get there. I'm going to have to learn how to follow. I'm going to have to learn how to receive and embrace the things that God has said that belongs to me. I'm going to have to learn how to follow him. You see, we're often wanting Jesus to come down where we are. He says, I want you to follow me. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says, you take up your cross and I will follow you. No, he says, you pick up your cross and follow me. That's what Jesus said. Remember the rich young ruler? He had fulfilled all what he felt like was righteous and why he deserved to be a disciple. He wanted the the tag of a disciple. He wanted what he thought would bring him something, probably for the crowd to see. But he didn't have disciple material in him. Why? Because when Jesus said, and the Bible says Jesus loved him. Doesn't mean that Jesus didn't love the multitude and didn't love the crowd. But there's a difference between the disciples and the crowd. The disciples sat down and the Bible says he began to teach them. The disciples there with him. They began to hear what Jesus was saying. The crowd stayed down below. Maybe they could hear some. Maybe they could hear some of the things Jesus was teaching his disciples. Maybe they could hear, uh, uh, overhear various things. But it was the disciples that moved up to that place. It wasn't the crowd. You see, it's so important today that we learn to position ourselves to embrace these promises. Not to reject. Not to say, yeah, well, if God wanted me to have it. If God's going to do it, he'll do it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. I'll accept whatever he does and whatever he doesn't do. Well, we're not embracing the promises. 
We want them like the crowd does, but we're not following him. We're not following where he's going. You know, it's so important today that we learn to do that. Crowds, they want comfort. Disciples, they want to be changed. Crowds don't think, they don't even think about carrying the cross up. No, but a disciple, they'll pick it up. Crowds look for what pleases, what's pleasing to them, what is, if it's inconvenient, if it doesn't fit their schedule, it doesn't fit how they see things, well, they're not going to climb, they're going to stay behind. But see, that's not what Jesus calls us into. He says, follow me, and I'll make you. Crowds don't follow. They just want to hear. They want something to tickle their ear. But they don't want to become. They don't want to be changed. They want the benefit without responsibility, accountability, and effort. The Bible says, how does these exceeding great and precious promise come? It's going to, it requires participation. Wolves, they climb up other ways, the Bible says. They don't follow Christ. They climb up their own way into the sheepfold to devour the, those who are in the crowd. The disciples next to the shepherd, well, they're going to be close to the shepherd. They're going to be close to the, the rod and the staff in the spirit. But those just in the crowd who's not pressing, who's not overcoming, who's not receiving, not embracing, not moving forward in these areas, they can be susceptible to devouring because they're not wanting to obey. They're not, they're not going that far. They're not doing the things that the Bible says to do. Following after the Lord, picking up their cross and following him. Jesus, when he looked at that rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you got. You know, when David offered an offering to stop the plague, the Bible says that Arano said, here, I'll give you the land to offer unto the Lord. He said, no, I will not offer anything unto God unless it costs me something. Crowds want comfort. Disciples want change. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is what Jesus taught them. I want us to look for a moment. What is the poor in spirit? We're going to stop. I want you to see this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says that for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what is the poor in spirit? This word or term, because that's what he's referring to. He's talking about a state of being here, the poor in spirit. Often is left to mean to us in the English word as being happy. This word blessed I'm talking about. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But the word blessed there means to be fully satisfied. This word blessed is not a static term, but a progressive term, meaning it's not a moment of or feeling of reaching to an end, but constantly developing upward, onward. Its progression is based not in just favorable circumstances, but in unfavorable circumstances. The word blessed there means being fully satisfied. Being fully satisfied, the word blessed there does not mean that you're blessed when everything's going your way. No, you're blessed even in unfavorable circumstances. But we have to receive that. We have to understand that. So when you look at, look at this word blessed that you're going to see as we begin to read down, this word blessed is so important. Again, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This word poor in spirit means helpless. 
helpless. Now, I want you to think about something here for a moment. Oftentimes, people, when they think of poor, this is, means also, let's say, poor naturally, people in poverty, people. The thing about people that are poor in that way, they are able to help one themselves. They can still help themselves. But this is what he's referring to when he talks about poor in spirit means in spirit they're helpless. That means we rely upon the helper, the one called alongside to help. When you begin to take things in your own spiritual way, you are not receiving the help. See, the Holy Spirit likes it when people depend upon him. When we say, Lord, without you we can do nothing, but with you we can do all things. You know, oftentimes we say things like that, but then we're not really walking poor in spirit. We're not relying upon the help of the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to show us, to keep us. You see, a person poor in spirit is not necessarily poor naturally. No, no, the Bible says this is a way we're going to receive the exceeding. We're going to receive. Even the Bible says that there is something that happens for that person, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A person that's poor in spirit. Why? Because of relying on the Holy Spirit. How wrong is it for us to stay in the crowd where many people settle? Because that person... They might say, well, I want to be poor in spirit, but they're not waiting. They're not helpless to the Holy Spirit. You see, this is a place we have to learn to come to. We have to be a person that is surrendered. You're not crucified really until you're surrendered fully. But see, this is where we have to, the Bible says, crucify ourselves. We have to not rely upon our ability, but his ability. We need to learn to rely upon the help of the Holy Spirit. That's not when it's convenient. It's when it's inconvenient. It's not just in the uncomfortable places either. It's also in the comfortable places. We need to continue to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Verse 2 says, I'm sorry, verse 4. Says this, it says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This word mourn there means to be sorrowful for your sin. You know, I, I like to think about this for a moment. Now, this is so good. You say, well, I'm, I've already asked God to forgive me of my sin. I've already done that. But, you know, when you act out wrongly or you do things that you know that is not right and there's areas that you're not dealing with personally. You know what that means to be a person that, that, that mourns? He's not talking about just sorrow. He's talking about sorrowful for your sin. That means a person who will look at themselves and judge themselves and say, you know what, I'm not behaving rightly. I'm not acting rightly. And I'm, I'm mourned for that. Why am I behaving? And they mourn for those who walk in sin against the body. Against the Lord's body. Against the Lord. Because when you act wrongly against the people of God, you're acting wrongly against God. When you see sin, when you see division, you see people acting out, acting wrongly. Towards his church, towards his kingdom, towards his body, towards the members of his body. The Bible calls that sin. And we should mourn because we understand the, the, what's going on not only in that person. They're not, they're not in a place of this poor in spirit. They're not in a place of being mourned. They're not being counting and trusting in the Lord's help. 
And so what we, we do, we, we, we sorrow over that. That means we pray. We, we, are, we, we, we are not, we're people who look at ourselves that way. Look at the next thing here. It's very important that we see this today. We need to be a person. The Bible says here, Jesus went on to say, I like this. This is almost like a tick box that you can begin to understand how the attitude. Remember, we're talking about attitude that brings the altitude into a place of coming into that higher place, receiving and being multiplied, the grace and peace being multiplied, and those exceeding, we're embracing the promises today. This is how we do it. It happens in us first. Yes, he did it out there. It's already done. But this is how we begin to walk in it. This is how we begin to do it. Let's, let's see. This is what Jesus said. He said, blessed, verse 5, are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, when you mourn, you'll be comforted. When you're walking in poor spirit, there's a promise, kingdom of heaven. When you're meek, what is meek? Meek means teachable. They see themselves as they really are. Mm. Wow. Come on, just a minute ago, just a second, I'm talking about mourning for our own sin. Mourning for, for, those, for the sins that, that are committed. And the Bible says being teachable. We need to be teachable. They, this person who's teachable, they see themselves as they really are. So they humble themselves. That's what it means. They humble themselves. This is evidence of real submission to God. A meek person is teachable. And they see themselves as they are. They're mourning for their actions. They're poor in spirit because they're relying on the Holy Spirit of God. And so they are not condemned, but they humble themselves. They're teachable and submit to God. They believe God's word as truth. And they are now positioned themselves for real growth in God. Those who... Love God, love what God loves. Those who say they love God, God sent his son to die so that he might birth, the Bible says, the church, the ecclesia, his bride. The Bible says we learn that if a person is born again, they know they've passed from death into life because they love the brethren. You see... A person that is teachable, they see themselves as they are, so they humble themselves. This is evidence of real submission to God because they take the truth of God over their own. They take the truth of God over themselves. And the Bible says, Jesus went on to say, verse 6, blessed are they which hunger and thirst. This words, two of these, both these words, hunger and thirst, actually, if you study this out, it just means hungering ones, hungering ones. You know, it's funny, you know, my, my son, it seems like he, you know, he's, he's becoming a teenager. And I'm telling you, he's becoming a hungering one. Why? Because he's growing. A person that's going to grow is going to be a hungering one. And that's not a person that's looking for sensual things because sensual things don't grow you. But when you are hungry for the milk and the meat of the word of God, the truth of God's word to be changed into that image, you're hungering for the righteousness of God that feeds your life and your spirit so that you might grow. 
And when you do, when you become a hungering one, you're not satisfied with just a little bit of experience. You want more. You want more of God. You want more of his truth because it be, it's a mirror that reveals who we are. A meek person sees themselves into the mirror of God so that they can change. And they are looking in that mirror, trusting in the Holy Spirit's help. And they're mournful for what they see when they don't see that spotless robe or that place where they are in sin and that place where they're holding grudges and, and unforgiveness and lying and the deceitfulness and, and other things that's going on on the inside of them, the gossiping and the separation and the divisions, and they're saying, oh God, forgive me because I love you. I love what you love. So they humble themselves, embracing the promises because they don't come naturally. They don't come just because you are, because you believe a thing. No, we have to believe all things. No, we receive all things that God has provided for us in Christ Jesus. I don't want to stop at a thing. I want to receive all things. You know, whenever we begin to say, well, I'm going to accept this, but I don't accept that, and we're not receiving the truth in Christ, you know, in reality, that should be a, I, I, we, should, we should look at that and say, man, I wonder how that makes God feel. When we get into our religious practices and our religious minds, and instead of embracing the fullness of what God has done, that we might be changed, that we might receive, and that we might live by because the pressure of this world, because we're too afraid what others will think about us. If we say we believe that God is a healer, if we say that today that we believe that God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, and he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think. If we start thinking, well, I'm not going to say it because of what will other people think. How, what are we doing? What do we say when we do things like that? What do we say when we start saying, well, I, you know, I, I'm not sure about these gifts of the Spirit. Or we don't come out, so to speak, and say, you know what? Hey, I believe that the Holy Spirit today is still manifesting himself through the lives of those who yield to him, who hear his voice, and who will follow him for the goodness and the development of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God and the salvation of the souls of this world. When we begin to say, well, I'm not sure if I believe in miracles anymore. Has God lost the ability to do a miracle? No. Well, God will do a miracle if he wants to. Well, maybe he's looking for those who will yield to him that he might perform them as he did in the Bible. Yes, God can do miracles even without our help. But he also tells us there are gift and workings of miracles. There's many other gifts too that we can yield to. Those things don't make us anything. It should begin to humble us even more if God uses us because we're serving our submission to God to benefit someone else. And that doesn't come necessarily on the benefit to us. It benefits somebody else because we love him. I tell you, it's so important today. We should be hungering ones. Develop that, that desire. Look in verse 7, he says, and the Bible also said, let me just go to the promise in verse 6. He says, those who hunger will be filled. Oh, glory to God. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful. Continual progression. For they shall obtain mercy. You know, this is an important statement. Because James chapter 2 verse 13 says this. James chapter 2 verse 13 says, I tell you, this is a powerful statement. Blessed are the merciful, Jesus said. Look at James chapter 2 verse 13. 
It says, for you shall have judgment without mercy, who show no mercy. For mercy rejoices against judgment. You know, the Bible says, you show no mercy, you get no mercy. No justice, no peace. No mercy rejoices against judgment. Those who claim they show no mercy will receive no mercy. Those who stand for these kind of ideals will face judgment without mercy, the Bible says. People who stand for ideas today that show no mercy will stand before the judgment of God without mercy. I tell you, today, the Bible tells us, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I tell you, I want the mercy of God. How about you? I need the mercy of God. Praise God. Verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, when you understand, again, this word blessed means it's a progression. It's fully satisfied. It's a progression. This is what happens when you're progressing in the above blessed areas that I've just read. When you begin to have, a, when you begin to become poor in spirit and helpless and, and you need the Holy Spirit, when you begin, when you begin to show mercy to those who are growing and developing in, in areas that people do wrongs against you, when you show mercy, the Bible says you'll obtain mercy. The Bible says through these things you become pure in heart. You just begin to purify your spirit man and your soul becomes pure. I tell you, you begin to get a renewed mind and things begin to change. Come on, you hearing this today? I'm telling you, you should begin to rejoice and to shout because what are we doing? We're going to embrace the fullness of the promises of God because they're exceeding and they're great in which God has provided for us in Christ Jesus that pertain to life today and eternal life. See, the outcome of a pure heart. Let's see what Jesus said. He said, you will see God. You know what that means? People with a pure heart see God clearly. People who are still working through these areas, and they're, but they had not, they've not even really yielded to these areas. They're still in lust. That means selfishness. They're still feeding oneself. That person, the Bible says, can't see God clearly. But a pure heart can. And the outcome of the pure heart Please hang on with me, guys. Don't, 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 don't lose because I, I, I want to help you today. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, when we think about peacemakers, some people look at the people in the world like, you know, they start naming, you know, like Nelson Mandela or something of that nature or Gandhi or something like that. Now, let me just tell you something here. That's not the kind of peacemaker he's talking about because the outcome of a lot of those things isn't necessary for peace. And it didn't bring peace. But the outcome of a pure heart, the Bible says, we're talking about a believer who believes in Christ because to have this kind of peace and to be a peacemaker, you have to be born again. The outcome of a pure heart is peace in you so you can sow peace. Look in James 3, verse 17. James 3, verse That means it's going to impact other people's lives. It's not just trying to get involved in a fight. That's not necessarily a peacemaker. That's not what he's referring to here. He's talking about one who follows the, the process of this purifying, as Jesus said, poor in spirit, mourning, being meek, showing mercy, pure in heart, become a peacemaker. They sow seeds of peace. The Bible teaches us 
that as we begin to separate ourselves from the crowd, see, these are the kind of things that separate yourself from the crowd. The, the crowd stayed down in the bottom. They stayed, down, they stayed in their comfortable place. But the disciples, they went up into the mountain and they heard the word. They received this teaching. You know, it's so important today. If we're going to embrace the promises of God, you can't listen to the multitude if you're going to live in God's love. Remember, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, today it's so important as we're moving forward to the time of the return of Jesus Christ. We need to be peacemakers in the body. We need to be men and women who are embracing the promises of God like never before. We need to not be just on the side and going with the maddening crowd, you know, following our favorite uh, TV, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok preacher or whatever that's just talking various things and, and listening, to the mad, to listening to the crowds of this world. But we need to listen to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to walk in that truth. We need to submit ourselves unto God. And allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in us and let the Word of God begin to transform us. The Bible says that the seed you'll sow will be peace. And that peace will produce. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.